Hello and welcome. I'm Ria Mogul, and this is Your Voice Hong Kong, a new podcast that's told solely through the voices of young people. We aim to bring you a fresh, new perspective on issues that matter. And what better way to kick off our podcast than by speaking with what we think are the future leaders and change makers of our world? Today's episode is part one of a two-part series on My Freedom Day. My Freedom Day is a campaign that was initially started by CNN, the news organization, uh, and it's a day that is centered around spreading awareness and shedding light on modern-day slavery around the world. So students from all across the globe will be taking part in My Freedom Day, and they're going to be planning activities at their school, you know, organizing panel discussions, posting to social media. Uh, in, a, in a bid to just raise awareness about this issue. And it's an issue that's very close to our hearts as well. So I have sat with me here, three bright young individuals from Hong Kong, each with their own unique story about freedom and what freedom means to them. Siski Hanagurung, a Hong Kong-born Nepali woman who is a champion for ethnic minority rights in Hong Kong. Neha, a 17-year-old asylum seeker from India, She's been living in Hong Kong now for about four years, and she's with us today to share her experience as an asylum seeker in the city. And Rachel, a 13-year-old asylum seeker from Nigeria, she's with us as well to talk about her struggles as an asylum seeker in Hong Kong. So we're really excited to get this going. We hope you like it too. So let's get started. So welcome everyone. We are here with Siski Hana Gurung. Hello. Hi. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. Not at all. And we're here with Neha and Rachel. Hi. Hello. Hi. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you. No problem. So Siski, can I call you Siski? Yes, you can call me Siski. Great. Let's start with you. So you are 21 years old. Am I right? Tur just turned 22. You just turned 22. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy late birthday. <laughs> You are a champion for ethnic minority rights in Hong Kong. And when you look at a city like Hong Kong, we have an amalgamation of such different cultures, loads of people in this city. 8% of Hong Kongers are ethnic minorities, mm -hmm. but they're still underrepresented in governments. You know, they experience prejudice every day. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your experience as an ethnic minority uh, woman living in Hong Kong? All right. Uh, so the story that I have with Hong Kong is that my grandfather was a Gurkha soldier and he was positioned in Hong Kong and my mom was born here. And then later my mom gave birth to me here. But actually, I, I actually was raised in Nepal and I was actually planning. My parents were actually planning to raise me in India instead of Hong Kong. But due to some medical reasons, I had to come to Hong Kong. And I, I thought that I'll only be in Hong Kong temporarily, but now it's pretty much permanently. And I remember when I first came to Hong Kong when I was in primary two, it was very hard because my dad really wanted me to go to a local Chinese school. And I just remember going through so many rounds of interviews in like weird schools and then just feeling like, why do I keep getting rejected? Why, do, why is it so hard to get into a school? So that's why it was very nice to hear Ria, like she's going to a Chinese school. And I'm very happy that things have changed. There are cer certain things that have changed, but I feel like the process Hong Kong could make as a Asia's world city could be much more. Because right. I think it's kind of funny that you can call yourself Asia's world city, but the 
process is quite slow. For example, um, there are still so many issues ethnic minorities face. Yes, ethnic minorities can now go to local Chinese schools thanks to the government's help in providing subsidies to those schools. However, the rate of ethnic minorities going to university hasn't really increased that much. And it's pretty sad, especially in my community. Uh, my community has a huge um, drug abuse um, problem. Okay. And that was something I grew up facing a lot is I live in the Jordan area and it's very um, immigrant dense. And I would always, when I, when I was younger, I would see a lot of teenage Nepalese boys taking drugs in the stairways of buildings and things like that, or them just being cornered by the police because yeah. they were caught with drugs. And it just made me think that, is this really my reality here in Hong Kong? And it's so different from being back at home in Nepal. It's so friendly. The culture is just more warm. Right. And being in Hong Kong, not really being able to speak Cantonese, um, being a minority just felt very, you know, like the experience was completely different. Yeah. And then came education. Um, for me, actually, when I was in secondary school, I wasn't actually motivated to study. Like, okay. I didn't feel noticed by my teachers. I often felt ignored. I just felt like, why should I study? Because I was learning about Chinese history, like history about the dynasties in mainland China. It had nothing to do with me. Like, I never saw myself represented in the textbooks that I, I was reading. When I got into senior forms, you would see one or two pages on liberal studies. And it's just showing ethnic minorities as victims. They have high poverty rate. Um, they get into lots of trouble. It's just things like that. That was yeah. the only representation I saw. Yeah. Or the other representation I saw was like the curry fishbowl Indian man. That you can see. In oh, I the, remember that YouTube video that went absolutely viral, mm -hmm. and I remember watching that and thinking, "My gosh, mm -hmm. you know, it it was such a tone deaf video." Mm -hmm. For for those of you that aren't aware, uh, someone put out a video of a song called, "Well, what was it called?" Curry. Uh, <laughs> I don't really remember. Yeah, it was it was a, a man, not a non Indian man, making mm -hmm. fun of Indian culture, and mm -hmm. it didn't sit very well with a lot of people here in Hong Kong mm -hmm. and around the world, really. Uh, because as you said, uh, Hong Kong, 8% of Hong Kongers are ethnic minorities and they mm -hmm. have so much to offer mm -hmm. Hong Kong society and Hong Kong culture. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting, you said uh, back home in Nepal. So do you not consider Hong Kong to be your home? I do consider Hong Kong to be my home, but there are moments where I'm like, I guess I could accept having two homes because okay. I feel like I'm not really 100% either. So I've learned to accept Hong Kong and Nepal as both my homes, I would say. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And I have to admit, I am a little bit in awe of your courage because I know you've just spoken about the problems and everything that you've seen growing up here in Hong Kong, the drug use and all of that. And I know that you spoke at the UN mm -hmm. in Geneva in November mm -hmm. about ethnic minority rights. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, so when we were going, we were going as a delegation. So not just um, ethnic minority rights. It was about um, refugees and domestic workers as well. Just people who are marginalized in society a lot. And going there, we really wanted to bring attention to different the topics that are happening in Hong Kong, especially because Hong Kong has to really live up to its like reputation of being a world city. So it's kind of unfair that the government calls the Hong Kong a world city but we're not really living up to it when we live when we treat the people who are minorities not as equally as the people who are the majority especially when the ethnic minorities have contributed a lot to the history of Hong Kong it's not yeah. just the Chinese and the British the Indians the Nepalese the Filipinos the Pakistani they have all really contributed to make Hong Kong what it is even Hong Kong U was 
like funded heavily by yeah. a Parsi man. It was founded like, by a Parsi man. Yeah. yeah, wasn't it? And when people go to Chimsa Choi, when they see Modi Road, they don't know what Modi Road is named after. Like just things like this, it's not shared in our textbooks. Yes. And I wish we could learn to embrace like our culture because one thing I would have really le- loved to learn when I was growing up in Hong Kong is about my own grandfather's history, about these cultures. Because why can't we just embrace it? Why does it always have to? Why do we always get represented only as victims or people who are suffering? But what about embracing yeah. our culture? That's the one thing I find sad about the education system is it doesn't really include. And if you look at certain textbooks, they're also pretty stereotypical. Right. Mm-hmm. So in terms of that, education could really diversify. Yeah. So you think. The key areas in which ethnic minorities are discriminated against: number one, education, uh, job opportunities mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we are here because of this campaign called My Freedom Day. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you what what freedom what does freedom mean to you? Uh, for me, freedom means having the same opportunities regardless of whatever you know, uh, fact like whatever whoever you are, whatever social status you come from to be able to be judged the same way as another person. Because for me as well, uh, when I entered university, I think I was one of the first Nepalese females as well to get into Hong Kong U. It was very hard because all of my classmates were um, like international students or local Chinese, and I couldn't really find my own group. Like I overcame that hurdle of getting into university, but then I now face the other part of having an identity crisis because whenever I would tell people, oh, I grew up here, they would not really imagine like, oh, you grew up here, things like that. They couldn't actually imagine a ethnic minority growing up and going into university. And that's what I found very sad. But uh, back when I was in university, it was only me and one other Nepalese girl. But recently there are more and more, but not that much. I would say like, it's just like 5% which is sad. But you think change is happening But at a slowly. very slow pace, yes. So when you think of Hong Kong, say, in 15, 20 years' time, mm-hmm. what do you envision for ethnic minorities in the city? Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? For me, I would really say one of them is to really have a very um, thorough and well-made Cantonese curriculum because we don't learn Chinese the same way as local Chinese because it's not our mother tongue. For us, it, Chinese could be our third or fourth language. We, learn, we have our own languages, and then we have to learn English. English is also a foreign language to us. And then you add in Chinese, it just makes it harder. So I would really say a thorough, um, thorough Chinese education plan. Secondly, providing um, ethnic minorities with more opportunities to go into university. Because I would say that when I was younger, the job options that were actually promoted to me were very um, primary edu- like primary workforces such as restaurants or construction work things like that for the men right yes or like maybe take a beauty course become a hairstylist things like that things that you would kind of associate with young ethnic minority people Mm -hmm. the types of jobs that you would think Mm -hmm. that they they would take is Mm -hmm. that what you're yes okay because i remember back then actually when i made my university choice i actually didn't even know it didn't even know what choices i had okay so i actually ended up taking bachelor of arts because i really like literature and arts i actually didn't know i could study education and journalism at this certain university because it wasn't really promoted Mm -hmm. to us and for me personally i never thought a person like me would get into university i assumed that i would just end up working in restaurants you know like as a waitress or things like that and what did you study at university? Um, literature and journalism. You studied literature and journalism. Mm-hmm. So what you're a teacher now, aren't yes. you? Yes. 
And what do you teach? Uh, I teach English and computer science. Wow, mm-hmm. that's great. So we've just heard from our fantastic guest, Suski, and she's told us what freedom means to her and how she views the future of ethnic minority rights in Hong Kong. Um, remember to hashtag, hashtag your voice HK and hashtag my freedom day and tell us what freedom means to you. We've heard from Suski. We want to hear from you guys. Tweet, Instagram, Facebook us. We want all of your my freedom day messages and we want to know what freedom means to you. So now we are going to speak with Neha, who is 17. That's right. You're 17 years old. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. You've just turned 17. And you've been living in Hong Kong now for about four years. Yes. Neha is an asylum seeker and she's been in Hong She's moved to Hong Kong from India. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to Hong Kong? Uh, yeah. So uh, in India, I was studying... Uh, like I finished my primary school in India and I came to Hong Kong uh, end of 2015. And actually, I think I should supposed to be here in uh, from four or maybe from five because I already finished. And then I didn't get my admission here because of Chinese. Uh, they said that I'm I I am I I will not get admission here okay. because I don't know Chinese. And they put me in Form 1. And actually, I should I should supposed to be in Form 4. Wow. And that that's really hurts me. Like, it was very painful moment for me. And I was like... And every time I was telling my parents, like, why I'm in Form 1. I, sh- I should supposed to be in Form 4. Or, or like, yeah. But my mom and dad was keep on just sub- encouraging me like it's that's fine it's fine because you don't know Chinese so it's it's gonna be fine you have to learn Chinese if if you want to uh, stay here so we have to learn Chinese and then like in Hong Kong like I don't really want to come here but because of the situation that makes me come here and and I have seen like like I don't really see uh like so nobody uh, nobody it's okay nobody uh, bullies me here in hong kong like i i want to i want to share my personal experience in my school like still i'm studying uh, but i want to uh, uh, share the experience uh, i have be- uh, once when i i was about to get admission and uh, i have i made few friends and they were telling me like don't go to school this school this is Chinese people they will abuse you like they will bully you or something like that and I was like okay I'm, I'm like I was nervous like should I go to school should I continue my studies I was thinking that kind of question like should I continue my study and I was like no I have to become I have my own goal like I have to become a doctor and so I was like no I have to continue my study and then I was like okay if they bully me it doesn't matter like okay it's fine it's gonna be fine so I, I was like okay I will go and I will see what what wow. will what's gonna uh, gonna be happen and and then I I get I get admission and then I started my school uh, start, I started studying in Hong Kong and uh after after a few months later I was real I realized that what people say is not true uh well what is true is like we have to be friendly with uh some uh students like 
I mean, so with people, we have to be friendly with people. If we become, uh, if we talk friendly with them, talk nicely, they will not bully us or they will not say anything bad to us. And yeah, but sometimes I feel like why I'm a refugee, because uh, last time uh, I get, I get chance from my school to get get in civil in police. I mean, yeah, in Hong Kong. Yes, you got a chance from your school to. Uh, joins police oh wow yeah okay so uh i was like uh i went there and then there was few examination and then interview and all and i get person uh i i was like they told me okay you can uh, join us like everything was done they were they was okay with me but la- at last they when they asked me about my the id I, I they asked me like are you hide id i id holder and i was like no i'm not id holder and they was like looking at me like very you know it makes me like why they are looking at me like right. that and then I, and i was like just sitting and i was waiting for them like how they're going to react now later on and then and they was like uh, they went inside for a few things they searched something like that and they was like they really want me to join them and they was like they found me like okay she she this girl has ability to join us like all and they was like okay we will uh, let's see what what we can do for you and i was like okay uh, this that's not big deal if i didn't get selected because of the id card and then i was but like at least you know that your ability was so strong and they wanted you but it was just because of a flaw in the legal system yeah. that it couldn't happen and the perception you mentioned this that they looked at you in in a particular way when you said that you didn't have an ID card. Yeah. So what do you think? What how would you what what do you want to do to change that perception, you know, when people think about refugees and talk about refugees, what would you tell them? Uh, uh not all people look at us like that way because some people they don't know about refugee uh, for main main reason is most of people don't know about refugees and very few people knows about it so they they'll be okay with us mm-hmm. but the the one who don't know about that they will they react so much on us like okay so you're a refugee or you don't belong to hong kong like so many stops stops and but that's not true you you want to contribute to hong kong society you wanted to join the police force so you're out here to change everyone's mind that's why you're speaking to us today right yes yeah. like when they uh, because of the id card i didn't i i wasn't able to join the air uh, and the police service mm-hmm. and then i was like okay uh it's fine because i want to become a doctor so i was like okay that's uh, that's fine i didn't get selected it's uh, it's all fine but but not for me except me who wants who really want to join i, I have question for them like why you know in hong kong we have education and all the stuffs but after uh, form 6 we don't get a uh, chance to go university if you want to go university university there there are lots of process and sometimes our refugee people don't get to go in uh, university to join university and that's the problem like why why we can't go in university right like, yeah like if they're not in good study it's fine but what if people is good in study student is good in study that he sh- he or she should get to go in uh enter the yeah. university and study more but in hong kong we don't have future 
if if i say directly we don't have future in hong kong because i have seen lots uh, so many times like uh, what we will do later on after finishing our school because we don't get to go in uh, to to study in university and what if we if we get st- uh, to study but what because of the id card we can't we can't do anything here right. we can't work here and that's the problem uh, and uh, i have seen that lots of social worker are are uh, are they're trying really yeah, hard to yeah. change this yeah but still they they are fail to do it because i have seen so many times they like we can't, I can't get help from them also like yeah. yeah so it's so hard to me but it's fine but your attitude is amazing you you came here and you said that you're going through form 1 all over again have you have you learned cantonese then are you learning cantonese i'm lear- still learning and learning. i i think i'm good at at cantonese not that much but i can still uh, talk with people and yeah one more thing is good about chinese people is that i mean not all of them ch- chinese but in my school i have the in my classmate like in at classroom yeah. the chinese students i have like my schoolmates they are so good oh good yeah. they, so you made loads of friends yeah. and you're able to practice your cantonese yeah. with them as you well you know because of me they learn english to oh, talk with me that's amazing because <laughs> when, when i get admission that time i didn't know how to speak chinese and i went uh, and i get ch- uh, admission in chinese school and i was like about i, I was very nervous how i'm going to face that. i mean how i'm going to do everything right. like and but that time uh, i found so good uh, classmates and then it makes me so comfortable and i'm happy at my school and like i'm good with all people i mean they are all good with me but yeah. the thing is about the out of school okay out of school the people are not that good because you know whenever we sit somewhere they look at us like why we are refugee and we shouldn't supposed to sit be- uh, like behind them or like mm. uh, with them like that so that's the you thing you can feel be- that yeah and the, that thinking they should change that thinking like yeah of course And Rachel, have you ever experienced this sort of discrimination or prejudice against you against you while you're in Hong Kong? Um yes, I did. Uh because when I came to Hong Kong, um I was supposed to be in primary 4, but then instead uh when I got an admission in a local Chinese school, they were like I have to uh get in form 1. So sim- same as Neha you had yeah. to go through the whole yeah. system all over again just because of the Cantonese requirement am i right Not really okay. because their education here in Hong Kong is quite slow the education Yeah what would you mean in like um they in Hong Kong they mostly depend on the age to to go Oh okay yeah i see So that time I, they supposed to put me in primary 6 and then they were like i have to go back to primary 1 Okay. which made my parents really mad but then they couldn't do anything and they tried to plead with the people and then they were like okay fine they'll put me in primary 3 okay and by that time i was about 10 years old and you're 13 years old now yeah. am i right yeah. you're 13 about to be 14 oh wow yeah. we have a few you just had your birthday siski rachel's birthday is yeah. coming up 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also didn't go to school for about one year and I came to Hong Kong. Yeah. That How is was why. that? What did what were you doing for for that year instead? Uh that year we were just it was really tough because of the apartments here. It's really expensive and they don't really like take it in ethnic minorities mm-hmm. because of their ability that they cannot speak Cantonese or Mandarin. I see. Yeah, so it was really difficult. Yeah, and also yeah. getting admission into the school is difficult because you're not a local Chinese person. So it took you a, a whole year to get admission yeah. into school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And. I believe recently you gave a big business pitch yeah. to someone. Tell me about your experience doing that, standing up in front of a crowd of a huge crowd of people pitching your own very own business idea. Um, it was kind. I was kind of nervous at the beginning because it's kind of really difficult to speak in front of a lot of people. But mm-hmm. I got this inspiration and motivation from mostly my classmates mm-hmm. because they're really helpful and and they're really encouraging that's good and also my parents helped me too oh that's wonderful yeah because i also need to set a goal for my future too yeah yeah so i just want to show everyone what 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 are my plans for the future that's great and you know neha touched upon this but i wanted to ask you as well when people say the term refugee um immediately so many people associate that with something that's quite i think quite negative a lot of people view that term in quite a bad light mm. for no reason at all so what do you think of the term refugee um a lot of people i know they think that refugees are really poor and they have a bad background but then they shouldn't really judge so quick because they don't know the reason why that person has to be a refugee or what problem they have. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and you think that you want to change people's mindset and you want mm. to educate them and tell them that, you know, that's not yeah. true and we have so much that we want to give back to society in Hong yeah. Kong. Yeah. Mm. I really hope that we ethnic minorities can make a change to Hong Kong and show people that we're not just rags like that and that we can also, together with them, build a bright future for the younger ones. I think you guys are the bright future for the younger (laughs) ones. So what does freedom mean to the both of you, Neha and Rachel? Do you want to go first, Rachel? Um, Freedom to me, um, I would describe it as close to, for example, being a refugee, right? Like, you don't have the uh, freedom to get a university here. And it's really re- it's really difficult to get a university. And also, people, like, there's opportunities, but then you can't, like, have those opportunities due that you don't have ID card. For example, my school is going on, like, a school trip to South Korea, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of and some of the cl- uh, teachers are like taking us to Japan, Tokyo. Oh wow! Yeah, so like being a refugee is really difficult because we don't have the freedom to travel out of Hong Kong. So you won't be able to go. Yeah, or to to get a job here. So freedom yeah. to you is just to be given. 
the opportunity to do what all of your friends are doing, mm. going on school trips, going to university, getting yeah. a job. What about you, Neha? Uh, for me, now I'm refugee, it's fine. Like maybe later on I will I will not be a refugee. I will become a citizen of Hong Kong or something like that. I I don't know about future, right? So for now, I accept that I'm refugee. But I want the freedom is for you know the government. They give us a food coupon, something like that, a food card, and in that uh, and we can only use that card in park and shop. Okay. And I what what I want to say that we can uh, we can't buy all the stuffs we want to buy. And last time I uh, uh with me I had experience like. I went my, uh, with my parents to buy stuffs, and then when I came to the con- counter, they said like you can't buy this, and I was like why? And they was like, you can't buy this with your discard, and I was like okay, but okay. So because of the terms and conditions of yeah. the card, I see. I mean, if they are giving a, a food card and so anything like that stuff, it's fine. But they should allow us what what we want to buy in in shop of course like, we don't get we can only buy few things not all the stuffs what if we want some body lotion we can't buy that even yeah even body lotion i was like why this kind of stuffs and i was like okay it's maybe later on it it's going to be all, <laughs> all right so I, I for me freedom is like they should give little bit freedom for the refugees yeah and yeah. and few i can't say like give them respect like just give some respect they will be f- oh, very they will become so happy a little respect yeah, goes a yeah. long way yeah. huh so there you have it i really hope these inspiring stories of freedom from hong kong have inspired you to stand up speak out and tell us your stories write to us email us hashtag us tweet at us and we will make sure that your voice is heard We talk about the things that matter. Remember, this is your voice Hong Kong. Let's talk again soon. Bye.